Good evening. You guys doing well? Good to have you with us. Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church on this Christmas Eve. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 14. We've been working our way through the gospel according to Luke, and uh, the title of this big series has been Certainty in a World of Doubt. And uh, we've, we've done a, a, a mini-series up to tonight calling it Christmas Gifts. We're going to unwrap peace here tonight. You can also grab your sermon notes out and take a look at those as we work through this text and those notes. My wife and I took a trip to New York City here recently at the beginning of this month to celebrate my 40th birthday. And uh, why are you guys laughing? Isn't 40 the new 60 or the new 60-40 or how does that work? Oh, whatever. You guys aren't buying it, are you? So it was actually, it was kind of to celebrate my 60th uh, birthday, but actually I think it was more just fulfilling a promise that I had made years ago to my wife uh, that I would take her to New York City to see the lights, and we did that, and it was a lot of fun. But what was interesting is that we were enjoying the beautiful Christmas window displays at Saks Fifth Avenue, packed with people, and saw two guys get into kind of a shoving match back and forth. You know, one guy bumped the other, and he didn't like it, and the other one shoved him back, and and uh, it almost broke out into a fist fight, and I'm almost sure that playing in the background was the song, it's the most wonderful time of the year, as these guys are pounding on each other. Pretty crazy. See your notes there, part of the intro. Stress is one of the prevailing characteristics of our modern culture. And it's one thing to know when you're stressed out, but it's altogether another to know the appropriate path how to deal with it. And the reason why I say you need to know, because there's a lot of times I, did, I haven't known that I was stressed out until my wife, while I'm driving down the road, would say, are you okay? And I would say, of course I'm okay. Why are you ask? Because you just ran three cars off the road back there. So, uh, and so sometimes I've had to have my wife bring that to my attention. Maybe you're like me, and you don't realize how stressed out you are. But once you come to terms with your stress, you need to take an appropriate path, a healthy path, because we have a lot of unhealthy ways of dealing with our stress, but, uh, but you need to take a healthy path to deal with it, and, and that's really what we're gonna talk about here tonight. It's interesting, in the nativity scene that we are going to read, it's, it's, not, it's not chestnuts roasting on an open fire, and Jack Frost nipping at your nose, okay? It's not a, a wonderful atmosphere as oftentimes uh, we think it is because of the Christmas cards and, and all of those. Uh, in fact, uh, my wife did buy some chestnuts uh, from a street vendor, and I told her they're horrible, okay? They're just absolutely, have you ever had chestnuts before, anybody? They're not very good, are they? And so uh, don't eat the chestnuts, okay? But uh, how many have eaten them before and they, you like them? You, you like them, even though they are horrible? Okay. No, you, they're not horrible to you. But chestnuts roasting on an open fire and Jack Frost nipping at your nose, that's frostbite, folks, okay? And, uh, and so the scene here, this nativity scene that we're going to read, um, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, is anything but peaceful. There's a lot of stress going on in this story. 
In typical Christmas card, nativity scene, the people are singing, baby Jesus is resting, Mary is reflecting, and all the animals are smiling, okay? And so it's, it's, it gives you kind of a false idea of what, what really went down in that story. And, and you know this, if you've studied it, God incarnate was born on a dirt floor of a filthy cave meant for animals because there was no room for them in the inn. And uh, that's just a, just a glimpse of how rough that they had it and how difficult it was and it was anything but peaceful. And, uh, and so what it tells us more than anything, and if you don't get anything, get this. Christmas tells us that peace is not, it's not the absence of problems. It's not the absence of problems. It's the presence of, of Christ in our life. And we need to learn really what that means. As, as Christ came to this earth, he invaded our pathetic plight with his presence, and that can mean a lot to us if we really understand that and begin to apply the truths that we can learn from this text to our lives. So we're going to look at three ways, three ways we lose our peace and five ways we can find peace. So let's do just a, I'll have you do this a few times, mask Mass confession here tonight. How many could use a little bit more peace in your life? Show of hands. Show of hands. A little more peace of mind and peace in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think there's many of us that can. All three services, I saw the hands go up. And so that's where we're headed. So before we read the text, unpack these notes. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Once again, let's pray. Father, we are delighted to be here on this Christmas Eve. And we live in a very stressful world. And the world offers a peace that is sporadic based on circumstance enhancement, but the peace you give to us is, is constant based on our trust in your perfect love, infinite wisdom, and unlimited power. Teach us how we can be more aware of our stress and how to deal with it in a healthy way as we celebrate the greatest wonder of the universe, the arrival of your son to save the world. We pray these things for your glory and our joy in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Take a look at Luke chapter 2. We'll look at verses 1 through 14. I'm going to have you read out loud and together with me as we get to verse 10 and then verse 14. Those are two key verses that we're going to really focus on here this evening. So in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds who in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, let's read this together and aloud. You guys ready? Here we go. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Great. Good job. 
That's a great verse. If you could just apply that verse right there to your life here this evening into the coming year, it would change everything about you. If you understood the implications and begin to live out of that verse, it's a pretty powerful message in that one, one verse. Let me continue to read. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, let's read this together aloud. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the word of the Lord to us this evening. And so... So look at those two verses, verse 10 and verse 14. So the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So what he's saying in that verse, let me summarize that. He's saying really, what we, we could really understand this. To the degree you behold the, the good news, the gospel, so to the degree that you behold, you, you reflect you relish, you rejoice in the gospel is to the degree that your fears will be eliminated. That's what he's, he's saying to us. So we gotta understand, so what is the gospel? How, how can we reflect and relish and rejoice in the gospel? Well, verse 14 tells us the gospel. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It, it's... It, it's read a little bit in an awkward way. I've always thought that verse was a bit awkward, though most commentators would say, and, and most of you are probably familiar with the King James version of that, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And if you were pressed to, to define what he's talking about there, you probably wouldn't come up with an accurate understanding of, of that, of that verse. You'd, almost, you'd probably think, well, he, Jesus came to bring peace on earth. And, and that's somewhat accurate, but it's much deeper than that. You really have to understand what he's saying here. The Apostle Paul, who was a persecutor of the church, killed Christians, he encountered the resurrected Christ Jesus and was never the same. He went from persecutor of, of Christians to the proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ to his death. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and what's fascinating about the 13 books that he wrote he begins with this common greeting. He says 13 times, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's actually really kind of telling us what verse 14 is all about. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we could, we could say this, the gospel, Christmas means that through the grace of God, his unmerited favor, you can't earn it, you have his favor that's given to you as a gift. So through the grace of God, in the person and work of Jesus Christ, we can have peace with God. Peace with God, no barriers between our relationship with God, nothing holding us back. We can enter into the throne room of God, know God, the creator and sustainer of the heavens and the earth, so we can have peace with God, which which will give to us, to the degree you understand that you have peace with God, is to the degree that you can begin to experience the peace of God to face anything, to face anything in your life. 
the reason why we can't, the reason why we really don't have that peace, the peace of God ruling our hearts and minds to face anything, is because we're not really probably living in the reality of the fact that we have peace with God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the point that he's trying to get at. So, so think about this just for a moment. I mean, it just makes sense that if you have a perfect relationship with, with the all-powerful, loving Lord of the universe, that he's for you and not against you, you have him in your life, what do you have to fear? Nothing. But, but we, we often don't believe that. We don't understand that. We're not living in the reality of that. We, we fail to, to, to grow in our faith through the study of God's word and prayer and then circ- uh, surround ourselves with other fired up Christians that would stir that up within us. That's what we need to always keep in mind. And so, so as we know this, this peace with God, this is what he came to give to us, peace with God, so that we could have the peace of God to face anything. If we understood that, I mean... You would not be afraid of God or anything else. And so you can see on the notes, so we're, we've divided it up into two parts. Fear not, fear not, three ways we lose our peace, and then for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. We'll, we'll walk through that. What does that mean? Five ways we, we can find, find our peace. So here's the first one. Fear not when circumstances are uncontrollable. That's one of the ways that we lose our peace. As, as you know, much of life is beyond your control. There's... Delayed flights and traffic jams and long lines at grocery stores and family and work deadlines and demands and decisions. But even more important things in life are often beyond our control. I know couples who desperately want to have a child and they can't for one reason or another. And, and they, they, they would like to control that, but they can't control that. That's, that would certainly be circumstances that are uncontrollable. Or I know singles that want to get married. And uh, they haven't gotten married. I know hard-working guys and gals wanting to land that dream job or get a raise or a promotion or, or waiting for their business to succeed. And so certainly that can cause you to lose your peace when circumstances are uncontrollable. But number two, when people are unchangeable. When people are unchangeable. Have you ever tried to change anybody? Are you thinking about maybe trying to change the people you're sitting around? Have you ever thought of that? How many would think that maybe my wife from time to time has thought about wanting to change me? You guys, don't raise your hand so uh, quickly there. Yeah, do you think that she's, uh, you know, so, yeah. Have you ever tried to change anybody? Have you ever wanted to give a personal improvement program to your spouse? Let's fess up, come on. You've tried that. We all try that. Yeah, young couples try that, and then they realize it doesn't work. Or maybe not to your spouse, to a friend or to a coworker. How many have ever worked around somebody that was really hard to work around? I mean, just really difficult. You dreaded maybe even going to work. Yeah, and so you wanted to give them as a Christmas gift. Hey, here's a personal uh, improvement program I've written out for you. <laughs> it's for your good. I don't know why they don't want help. And in fact, they not only reject it, but they resent you for giving that to them, and so it doesn't work, and certainly people in our lives can cause us to lose our peace. And then the third one is when problems are unexplainable. So when circumstances are uncontrollable, when people are unchangeable, and when problems are unexplainable. Okay, confession time once again. Show of hands. How many would say that you have had things happen in your life that make no sense, make no sense. Show of hands, you've had things happen in your life that make no sense. In fact, 
I mean, it could be a divorce, you've gone through disease, the death of a loved one, some difficulty that made you question God's wisdom, power, and love. You're asking, you're thinking, it's still floating around in your head, why did God let this happen? All three of these can cause us to lose our peace, but here's the solution for all three of these. For behold, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Five ways we find our peace. Here's the first one. And it's critical that you gotta do the first one before you can experience the next four. The first one is accept God's pardon. Accept God's pardon. Now this is what separates Christianity from every other religion. This was, when I discovered this a number of years ago, it was stunning for me. And in fact, Romans 5.1, it's on your notes there. Let me read it to you. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, justified means that you're in right standing with God. It just means you stand before God and you're completely righteous. And so, since we have been justified by faith, faith, faith in who? Faith in Jesus. Faith in his finished work on the cross. Faith in all that he has done for us. So, so what it's saying, it's not based on your works, it's not based on your performance, it's based on someone else's performance, it's on Jesus' performance for us. So, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, notice what it says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So no barriers between me and God because of what Jesus has done when I put my faith in Jesus now, if I were to ask you, what is the gospel, would you be able to define it? I think if you've hung out here at Desert Breeze you know, long enough, you probably could uh, define it. But most Christians in American culture and non-Christians could not define the gospel. Typically, they would define it as some sort of works righteousness. Oh, I gotta get my act together, I gotta start doing these certain things, and then maybe God will accept me, and that has nothing to do with the gospel. That's more works righteousness. It's about getting your, your act together in some form or fashion, some way, and, and that's, not, that's not what it's saying here. See, here's, here's the gospel. This is how we, we define it over and over again. This is one of the ways that you can certainly define it. The gospel is the good news that God has reconciled us to himself by sending his son into this world to die in our place for our sins in all who repent and believe have everlasting life. It is a gift. It is a gift from God. And here's what's incredible about this. So in accepting God's pardon, what you're saying is that when you've entered into this relationship by accepting his pardon, your sins, past, present, and future will never, ever be held against you. Romans 8.1, you can't mess this up. You can't. You can't. It's because you, if you can't earn it, you can't unearn it. You either enter into it or you don't. You either accept it or you don't. And believe me, when you accept his pardon, when you begin to understand the implications of that, oh my goodness, you're never the same. A right standing with God, full access into the throne room of God, 24-7, yes. Yeah, but I have a mess, it doesn't matter. He died on the cross for you and that mess that you, you have made and you will continue to make. And, and, he will, and in that, he will continue to work in your life and, and bring transformation. And so this first one is, is peace with God. The next four on this list is the peace 
of God ruling our hearts and lives. Now, the reason why we don't have peace ruling our hearts and lives to be able to face anything is because we're not living in the reality of the first one. We're not living in the reality of the fact that I have peace with God. It's not based on my performance. It's based on Jesus' performance. He came to rescue me and to love me and to die for me. But but the more I, I live in the reality of that, the more it takes hold of my life. Oh, my goodness. You realize that God is, is for you. So the next four, two through five, is really the peace of God as we work these things out in our life. So, so for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, five ways to find our peace, accept God's pardon. Here's the next one. Number two, enjoy God's presence. Enjoy God's presence. Oh my goodness, this is my favorite. Now I love the fact that he's forgiven me of all my sins, past, present, future. I love that, that's fantastic. This is what I love more. This is what I love more. There's nothing better than the very presence of God. He comes to live within us, to be with us. Look at Psalm 16:8. Listen to what the psalmist says. I have set the Lord always before me. So he's, he's cultivating, he's practicing the presence of God here. I've, I've set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. I'm not gonna be rattled by life. I'm not gonna be anxious. I'm not gonna be stressed out. I'm not gonna be bitter. I'm not gonna be in despair. Why? Because he is with me. Because I have set him at my right hand. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Now here's, here's what you need to understand. Everybody look up here. You gotta get this. The more, the more you realize, the more you realize that you have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and now you have the peace of God because of the very presence of God. The more you realize who it is that walks through your day with you, never to leave you or forsake you and nothing can separate you from his love, oh my goodness, why are you so stressed out? Why are you so anxious? Why are you so bitter? No need. You've just lost, you've lost the sense of the fact that you have peace with God and you have the peace of God because he is with you never to leave you or forsake you. You, you need to cultivate this level of intimacy with God. You need to walk with him and know him and experience him. And, and then of course, that will involve the next, the next one, number three, obey God's principles. You're gonna wanna, I mean, it just makes sense to me. You're gonna wanna obey his principles, Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law. <laughs> Great peace? Yeah, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. So, so if you want to have great peace, if you want to have harmony and success in finances and relationships and in health and parenting and marriage and singleness and career and the list goes on, you will, you will love to have God tell you how to live your life. You will love that. That's what he's saying. You're going to love having God tell you how to live your life. And that's, that's crazy in our culture. That's the antithesis. That's the opposite of what our culture says. Our culture says, hey, follow your heart. Be true to yourself. Expressive individualism. That'll kill you. That'll destroy you. No, you need to follow the heart of God. In fact, when you encounter the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done for you, and you know that you have peace with God, you're gonna wanna obey God's principles. 
you're going to want to obey all that God says, whether you agree with him or not. Why, why, why in the world would anybody want to do that? Because, because you know, you know in your heart, as you get to know him, you know that he created you. He created you, and he knows everything about you, and he has this outrageous love for you, and he wants you to succeed in every area of your life, so he has given you his word packed full of principles to live by, and he indwells you with his Holy Spirit so that you can pull it off, so you can begin to obey him and live for him. And, and so why wouldn't you? See, when I see people take a path that's outside of what God's word says, I, I, I know, man, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Do you understand who, who you are as a believer in Jesus? Do you understand what he offers you? This is a great way to live it's a wonderful way to live. Oh, and by the way, let me go back. Let me go back. So we don't obey him. We don't obey him to get his favor. So you're not doing it to get his favor. Why, why do we do it then? We do it because we already have his favor. Because we have peace with him. And we have the, the peace of God ruling our hearts and our lives. And we know he has our best interest at heart. See, the only reason why you would take a, an alternate path outside of God's word is because you, you really, you doubt his goodness. You doubt what his word is, is saying to you. Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the what? Fullest, yeah, John 10, 10. He has your best interest at heart. And of course, we've got to learn how to ask for God's provision. That's the next one, number four. Ask for God's provision. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. These are great memory verses here. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. N notice this. So, so here's the next verse. So I've memorized this and, and have walked kind of in the reality of these verses. I don't always apply them like I should. But so he's saying, if you do the first, if you do verse 6, you can experience verse 7. But if you don't do verse 6 very well, you're not going to experience verse 7. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, so this is what he's saying. Don't be anxious. Don't let life jerk you around. Quit stressing out. That's what he's saying. Don't do that. Take some responsibility. Recognize when you're being stressed out. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Prayer is the kind of the general word of just intimacy with God, knowing God. But supplication would be bringing, bringing your, your list to God, your, your needs to God. But he says something that's quite fascinating there. He says, so don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. That's even before he answers our prayer. Yeah, with thanksgiving. Why that? Why would he say with thanksgiving? Why would that be an important part of that? With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Because you know in your heart as you get to know God, you get to know this creator who sent his son into the world to, to rescue you, to love you, to die for you because you know that God will give to you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knew. He's gonna take care of you. He loves you. You can rest in that. That's why he says thanksgiving before you even get the answer because you put it in his hands. You just trust him with it because, because you know that your father in heaven is perfect in love, infinite in wisdom and unlimited in power. And therefore, number five, therefore you can trust God's plan. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a couple more great memory verses. 
Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. How many have memorized those verses before? Yeah, they're, they're wonderful verses. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean upon your what? On your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. He will, he will guide you through that. What does that mean, no understanding? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean upon your own understanding. He basically is saying, live by faith, not by feelings. Live by faith, not by feelings. Faith says there are no accidents, only providence. That's faith. Faith says there are no accidents, there's only providence. And he says, in all your ways acknowledge him. The word acknowledge there doesn't mean just tip your hat towards God. It means, no, cultivate intimacy with, with God. And so there are two things to remember when things don't make sense, when life doesn't make sense, there's two things you always need to come back to. This is that, in all your ways, acknowledge him. You've got to get to know this. You've got to get this driven down deep into your heart. You've got to spend enough time with God where this becomes more real to you. And the two things to remember when things don't make sense is, number one, God is sovereign. Number two, God is good. Number one, God is sovereign. Number two, God is good. He is in control and he loves you. In fact, we do this around here a lot. Uh, turn to the folks sitting around you, look them in the eyes, hopefully you know them, and uh, look them in the eyes and say, God is in control and he loves you. Do that real quick. Okay, I, I can't help but think that there's probably a few of you, you needed, you came here tonight just to hear those words. So let me reiterate that. Listen to me. Even in the midst of the chaos, even in the midst of things that don't make any sense to you, and they might not ever make any sense to you this side of eternity, but the Bible makes it very clear to us, God is in control and God is good. He is in control and he loves you. He's in control, and he loves you. Some, some of you just need to pray that. Say, God, make that real to my heart through your Holy Spirit, because right now, I'm stressed out. Now, listen to me. We don't trust him. We don't trust him because we see his hand in our circumstances. As I said, you might not ever see his hand in your circumstances. There are going to be things in your life that don't make sense. This side of eternity, we don't trust him because we see his hand in our circumstances. Listen to me. We trust him because we see his heart on the cross. We see his heart on the cross. That's why. That's why we trust him. The greatest gift wasn't placed under a tree, but he was hung on a tree for you and I. There's no greater love. No greater love than that. It's, it's really the logic of heaven. It's found in Romans 8, 31 and 32. We did a whole series in uh, Romans 8. Greatest chapter in the Bible this last summer. Uh, More Than Conquerors is what we called it, but there's two verses that, that are some of my favorite verses in that chapter. I love them all. They're all favorite verses, but these two are really, really favorite. And it's Romans 8, 31 and 32. And this is what it says. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? 
It's heaven's logic. Now, now let, me, let me read that from the message. Listen to what the message says, Romans 8, 31 and 32. So, what do you think? With God on your side like this, how can you lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? That's a rhetorical question. Yes, he's got you covered. He's got you taken care of. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your past. Let me end with this uh, story. It's an expanded version of a, of a story that Richard Foster writes. Uh, a friend of his was in a grocery store with his two-year-old son, and his son was cranky, whiny, crying, and irritated, the kind of thing you've seen before in other people's children, of course. <laughs> Nobody's ever had that experience here, have you? No. And so the dad tries everything he can to try and calm this kid down. And at one point, he's walking through the store. Calm down, Billy. Take a deep breath, Billy. You're very mature, Billy. You can handle this, Billy. A woman sees him and says to him, you are very patient with your son, Billy. And he says, no, my son's name is Thomas. I'm Billy. Hey, we've all been there before, haven't we? We're trying to talk ourselves off the ledge. You can do this. Hang in there, Mom. You can do this. You can manage that little two-year-old that's out of control or whatever, and so that's what he's doing. And so the father tries everything, and nothing works, and so finally, in desperation, he picks his son up, holds him to his chest, and starts to sing a song. I love you, Tommy. I'm glad you're my son. I like the way you sound when you laugh. I like the way your face looks. I like the way your eyes light up. I'm so glad that you're my boy. I'm so glad I get to be your dad. Tommy's eyes get real big, and, and he begins to get real quiet. It, it just it begins to calm him. Why is that? Because when the child hears this song, whatever was making him fussy or sad or scared doesn't bother him anymore because he is immersed and captivated by the love of his father. See, that's what we need regularly, to be immersed and captivated by the love of our God. See, Christmas is our Father in heaven singing to us, don't be anxious, don't be afraid, fear not. Because through my grace, my favor working in your life, I have sent you my son to rescue you, to love you, so that now you can have peace with me. And to the degree you understand that you have peace with me, you can have my peace. Guard your heart and mind to face anything. Let's pray. So Father, thank you. Thank you that we don't need to fear when circumstances are uncontrollable and people are unchangeable and problems are unexplainable because you are sovereign. Because you are sovereign, our lives are never out of control. And because you are our Savior, 
You will always give to us what we need when life is beyond our control. We accept your pardon. If you're here this evening and you've never done that, I would encourage you. That's the most important decision you can make for time and for eternity. Just acknowledge your sin, believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins, and then confess him as your Savior and Lord. Put your life in his hands. Do that now, just between you and him in prayer. So God, we accept your pardon. Help us to more and more enjoy your presence and obey your principles and ask for your provision and trust in your plan. We thank you for the peace we have with you that produces a peace from you that goes beyond our understanding, guarding our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.